Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. It's Liz here. I'm joined by Brady, Justin, and Daniel today. So um, we are recording on exit interview day. So uh, it's June 9th. Uh, we haven't put anything out since the season ended on Monday. Um, it's just been like a crazy past couple of weeks. And then the fact that now we're doing an episode to unpack the crazy past couple of months. Um, we're going to break this down kind of into a few episodes just to, you know, spread it out over the off seasons. Things kind of, you know, slow down a little bit and there's maybe less stuff to talk about. Obviously, there will always be things to talk about, but this episode is really just going to be more a recap of the season that we saw so far and then we're also going to have like an off-season preview kind of thing just sort of talking about like maybe some of the deeper stuff and like obviously today with some of those exit interviews people really were bringing up a lot of feelings that they've had for years kind of thing we're looking a little bit smaller picture for this episode like I said to the guys before we started recording if we were talking all about all that big picture stuff from today I might go off on a tangent even longer than this one right now because there are just so <laughs> many things um, but uh so I'm going to explain to you kind of uh, the theme of the episode a little bit. So basically what I've done is I have created a timeline of things that happened in the jet season. We're going to go through chronologically all the, not all the events, because there was too much that happened, but a couple of select <laughs> events. It's not all the important things. I probably missed some big stuff, um, but just to sort of give a bit of a shape to the episode as we go through and then give everyone the opportunity to touch on certain players, certain events that happened and, yeah, it goes better maybe if I don't explain it. We'll just kind of go for it. But um, yeah, this is what I have planned. No one knows what I have on this sheet except for me. So it's going to be fun. And without further ado, let's get going. So I will maybe throw it uh, to Justin to start. So I'm going to say on January 14th this year, the Jets played their first game. So they beat Calgary in overtime. Uh, Patrick Wayne had two goals. He scored that nifty little overtime winner where he said, you know, he did it on purpose, even though he absolutely did not. Um, <laughs> remember how you felt like in that game? Like, were you excited for the season leading up to it? Were you upset that we were even having a season because of the situation with COVID? Like, can you remember what it was like to have hockey back in the middle of January, six months ago? Yeah, that's, that's even crazy to think that, that this was this season. Like, I feel like, that feels like it was so long ago, but also like not that long ago in the same sense. Um, I mean, I was pumped that the Jets were back. It was like 10 months without, I think we had like four games against Calgary. So it's been a while since we had Jets hockey and it was kind of boring without any, any sports. So I was happy that they were back. I realized maybe it wasn't the most, most ethical at the time, but uh, in regards to that game, like that was a, that was a great game. And you're thinking like, oh boy, like uh, Patty Line, two goals. I think he had a fight and assists, like the Gordie Howe hat trick, right? You're like, <laughs> this is the season. Like he's about to break out, and you're hyped. And uh, you know that uh, that that beauty goal there on the on the breakaway, and then the overtime winner. And so you you're like, okay, well maybe Line is gonna break out and be a 50 goal man. And and on uh, and like what? Like it's his last game as a Jet ever. Like it's just the biggest. <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's he just broke the biggest out. turn of events. Like <laughs> he, I, I he mean, broke yeah. out for sure. He <laughs> yeah. definitely broke out. <laughs> breakout season. He broke out of jail. No one really knows. <laughs> mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. It was it was really tough to see the fact that like you know he had that one really really good game. Then immediately he had the injury trouble, and then of course the the, the all the uh, the trade stuff started coming in slowly slowly. You know the media was pushing it. And we're all like, oh, it's just the media pushing it. And then finally it happens, you know, but, uh, but yeah, the, the season this year was super, uh, it was super good to have it back. Um, COVID definitely seemed like, uh, you know, COVID stuff aside, that was definitely, uh, you know, 
some question marks there, but uh, as a fan, it was fantastic to get back to it. Yeah, yeah and I, I agree with all that. It was nice to be able to watch, you know, some regular, you know, regular hockey, give a little bit slight sense of something normal, even though there were no fans allowed or anything like that in Canada. That is, I mean, so it was something, you know, something to look forward to, at least in the evening, right? Uh, especially with the condensed mm-hmm. schedule, like they played, you know, four games a week on occasion and stuff like that, right? So you kind of had something it's not like we had anything else going on really, you know, you aren't allowed right. to go anywhere. So might as well put on the jets game was not mm-hmm. like it was a chore. I mean, it is a chore sometimes to watch the jets, <laughs> but, uh, but, but it was well, nice to at least have something to at least have something to turn on, you know, and right. watch, even if it wasn't the jets, if it was other hockey games that were on sports or whatever too, right. It's just something, something different. Right. Like not to get too far off track, but I just remember last August or July and stuff when we used to have like, cause they were all playing in the same bubbles. It was like hockey from 10 AM to 10 PM every day. Right. After not having it for months, oh, it was beautiful. Uh, was it ethical? Probably not, but we enjoyed it. Um, yes. Okay. Um, moving on to January 21st, Billy Hanola plays his first of five games with the Jets this year. Um, Daniel, how did you feel about his usage this year? What would you have changed? Like, kind of take me through the Billy Hanola thoughts, the TLDR version, because obviously we could do an entire episode on him alone. And just sort of the repercussions of the decisions that the Jets made with him this year, but just sort of what did you what what did you think of his year? And not looking too much forward kind of thing, but what are you really expecting um, to see? Like, is this going to be the same thing next year? Are we, you know, are we preaching the choir here? Like, what's kind of the Billy Hanola vibe right now? Yeah. So he actually had like, I think he played forty total games this season. So that's in the Finnish league and the world yeah, junior championship. Yeah, not to cut you off. Does five seem low for the jets? I thought no, it played more than that. Is it, that actually it was five. I, I remember looking at it during the playoffs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think he played about 40 games, uh, total hockey games this season, which is probably not enough even con- considering the fact that the jets had a 56 game schedule. Um, the moose had a 36 or 32 game schedule. And mo and keep in mind, most of those forty games were in uh, either the Finnish the Finnish league or uh, in the World Juniors. Probably about half of them. He probably so he played about twenty games with the organization this year. I'm kind of just pulling a number out of the air, but that's kind of what it feels like. Um, so obviously his usage is disappointing, and I never understand why this is a trend with the Jets. Why they keep young guys in the press box for extended periods of time. Like I get, you know, you maybe bench him for a game or two here and there, but with the moose playing and with the jets playing 56 games, like there's no reason why he shouldn't have played like 40 NHL games this year alone, right. Out of the 56 game schedule. Um, and look, I won't get too far into looking forward, but I do think he'll be a regular uh, player next year. Hopefully. I mean, that's, I don't know how, how hopeful and how that is, but, uh, I'll hold out the hope for that, at least uh, assuming that he at least passes, like we have a couple of guys on expiring contract, like Forbert and Ben, that'll be hopefully long gone. Right. So. Mm-hmm. I think, I think the whole, like uh, as much as I, I, w- I absolutely agree. I think he should have played, you know, at least 40 games with the jets this year. Um, as far as his usage goes, like if, you know, if, if you really, it, cause the whole, the whole excuse we heard of him playing only the five games was to make sure that the ELC slided again, again, I'm going to say that uh, it's the second time we, we made his ELC slide. Um, but the biggest issue I had with it was that there were periods of time where he wasn't 
uh, on the Moose or on the Jets. Like, if you're not going to play him on the Jets, you have to have him playing games in in you have to have him playing games. Like, you have to have him playing games for the Moose or the Jets. You can't just string him along on the taxi squad. That's what that's what your replacement level defenses are 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 for. Or sorry, just replacement level players are for is is to fill in the spots when you need them to. Um, and then you know. Uh, it, like I said, if you're not going to play him you, in in the NHL, you have to be giving him games in the AHL because you need him to be continually playing, getting those minutes. Yeah, I agree. Just kind of as a whole, too, I feel like uh, a lot of young guys kind of wasted away on the taxi squad, and uh, that's a line that as well as uh, yeah, yeah, that wasn't the most optimized uh, usage for them, and like particularly to Hanala. I mean, I really would have liked to see him get some time on the power play this year. I don't think. Morrissey really was all that good on it so really you only had one defenseman that was kind of like a lock for the power play in 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 Pionk and I mean you know he he should have played more games like I agree with both of you for saying that but like even in the five games that he played he should have gotten a look on the top power play unit and uh I just I just think you know um for 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 his development right like you guys said it, it it kind of wasn't enough games and I really hope that that next year uh, he gets a fair shake because uh, like uh, he has uh, probably the highest ceiling on any of the Jets prospects on D right now. So mm-hmm. totally. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I sort of struggle with a lot of uh, what went down there this year, but you know what? I think uh, games in general, like you guys said, is good. And it was nice to see him with the world juniors. It was nice to see him play with some awesome high end prospects in the moves too. Um, but yeah, uh, I'd like to see him play more. Uh, okay. January 23rd, Brady. Patrick Laine and Jack Rosselvick with salary retained for Pierre-Luc Dubois a third. Um, how did you feel about this in the moment? What was your initial reaction to the trade? And right now, without any explanation, would you undo it? Okay. So because we'll get with, there. <laughs> with, okay, so just just to, to to get the first part out, would I undo it? Uh, based on what I saw throughout the the rest of the season, as well as the playoffs, yes, I would undo it. And also, I think that uh, Patrick Laine has uh, a higher uh, ceiling of, of he's a player that I think he ha- is is a, a little bit more unique. Um, but of course, uh, as far as the in the moment, uh, it it kind of stung. It kind of sucked because Laine became kind of our guy. He was a bit of uh, he was the guy who we all kind of championed as this guy who could potentially, you know, be the next Ovechkin kind of thing, uh, you know, set up a uh, shop on the power play. He single-handedly made our power play incredibly good over the, the course of his tenure here. Um, and at the time, it was one of those things where it, it hurt, it sucked, but at the same time, you looked at it and went, okay, Pierre-Luc Dubois is no bum. Well, We'll see. Um, we'll, get there. we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, we'll get there. But uh, but at the time, uh, you know, Pierre Luc Dubois uh, is is no slouch. He uh, he was you know a guy who I you know if we were giving up Patrick Laine to uh, you know if we were trading him away, at least we were getting uh, a guy who was similar in age. Um, you know, again, drafted immediately after him, still has a, a high potential. And then at the same time, it's like, okay, you look, you know, there is uh, some upside to it. The fact that, you know, Dubois is, you know, seemingly a, a more two-way player, drives play a little bit better, um, and also was a centerman, which is, is is an incredibly important thing to also consider when the trade was made. Um, 
uh, again, we'll get to the point throughout the season, but uh, I think that it was a, a very tough pill to swallow, but at the same time, at the time I was like, you know what, this was going to happen. Let's rip the bandaid off. And we weren't left with nothing. Right. Like, I think that was the biggest thing is that um, as the further he got along that last year of his contract, like, even though the year didn't turn out the way we thought it would, like, if we still had Patrick Laine right now, and if our hands were tied, like, you are never going to get a return as good as Pierre-Luc Dubois for Patrick Laine. You're never, like, we wouldn't have seen that. Um, And if Pierre-Luc Dubois hadn't been in a poor situation himself, we never would have gotten even him. Like, they don't even have the same market value, I don't think, in in the league. Like, Pierre-Luc Dubois is a Canadian center who is tall and uses his body and can score goals. Like, that's every GM's dream. Um, So, um, I think, like, yeah, I I don't know if, like, undoing the trade, like, right now, it's a terrible question to ask, and that's why I'm not going to answer it myself, because it's so hard to say that. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Um, um, But I I totally understand. And um, I'm going to move on from this, even though not everyone got to talk, just because I realized we're going off on so many tangents, and I have so many points left to bring up. There's so much to talk about. (laughs) We'll talk about Dubois later. Trust me, we're not done with him yet. I'm never done with him. But uh, I do want to say he had a good exit interview today, better than probably anyone else's. So um, we're going to talk about that in another episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Justin, also on January 23rd, see, we're not even out of January yet. Um, Dylan DeMello played his first game after becoming a dad. Um, how important was he to this team this year? Um, what are kind of your thoughts on his usage I know you and Brady have conflicting opinions about this. So maybe we'll get into a little bit of a heated argument about it. <laughs> Who knows? Um, and just sort of how do you feel about Dylan DeMello in general? Yeah. So um, I love Dylan DeMello. That's, uh, yeah. that's, that's basically uh, the simplest way to put it. I mean, he was fantastic this year um, in any role that they put him in, whether it was in a sheltered third line role or whether he got uh, vaulted up to the top pair with Morrissey, he really stabilized Morrissey in those minutes. And uh He's just a simple but effective player. Like the Jets have a lot of defensemen who are simple but ineffective. <laughs> Dylan DeMello <laughs> Dylan DeMello still plays a simpler game, but he's actually like he does the little things well. And he reminds me of the Toby Enstrom uh kind of just making the smart play. And I mean, I'm so thankful that he's here. He seems like a really nice guy. And um, yeah, I mean, I really don't have anything else to say uh but uh, but good things about DeMello. Mm-hmm. I think the, uh, the, the little bit of, of a disagreement, I think Justin was, was telling me before he was uh, upset with the fact that he was uh, on the third pair all year. Right. Whereas um, I, well, I actually, I totally agree. Cause I, I love Dylan DeMello. I think he's easily uh, one of the most important defense uh, on, on the jets. Um, I didn't hate the, the fact that he was on the third pair I did during the season, but in retrospect, I've kind of been like, you know what, whatever, who cares? Um, Because at least he, you know, the fact that we did decide to go, okay, Logan Stanley's the young guy we're going to be bringing in uh, and teaching and trying to develop this year, which I think was a mistake. Um, But uh, having, you know, a guy to be there and try and help Stanley out uh, throughout the regular season and try and stabilize him, make him a better player. I didn't think was, was necessarily a bad thing. And, and the whole reason why I, you know, while I do agree that he would have been better on the first pair, um, I don't think it matters because at the end of the day, the regular season doesn't matter. And I think all along the plan was to put DeMello up on the top pair um, in the playoffs, which, you know, it, it seemed like that was immediately what, uh, what, 
what the um, the decision was. Um, so while I do see all the reasons why uh, he shouldn't have been on the third pair all year, uh, I can also look at it and go, you know what? I, I if anyone's going to be trying to teach Stanley how to play the game, I, I don't hate that it's Demello. You know, I just I just think that in 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 that regard, it's kind of you got your priorities uh, kind of switched around. Like to me. Uh, I'm worrying more about my first pairing defenseman in Morrissey, who's been struggling now for, for two straight years. To me, it's more about getting him the correct partner. And I mean, obviously the first line is going to get a lot more minutes out there. So it's going to be a lot more impactful to have the better player on the first pair than the third pair. I mean, I see what you're saying in the sense that it helps uh, push Logan Stanley along. But to me, I think it's just uh, your priorities are kind of backwards if you're going to do that, because now you might convince yourself into protecting Logan Stanley in the expansion draft <laughs> because he looked good in sheltered minutes with a great partner. So I just Not think your mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hope they don't, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I mean, I just think to me, I'm worrying about my my top six and my top four before I'm worrying about the, the sort of bottom bo- bottom pairing minutes. And mm-hmm. so. For those reasons, I was, I was, I think he, I, I was pretty upset with, with it, with the usage of him. And I totally, I totally agree with every single right. thing you said there, yeah. but I'm just, at the end <laughs> of the day, I go, it's the regular season. Who cares? We, we got into I mean, the playoffs. I mean, I'll, you know? I'll, Paul I'll Maurice is a genius. For... He had yeah. the master plan all along. <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to throw the next one to Brady again, and then I'll throw the one after that to Daniel and you'll see why in a second. Okay. So February 15th, Murata Tesh throws Colt Freddy off of Pride Rock. Um, so the iconic Twitter moment we all know Uh, Brady how did you feel about uh, his season with the Moose the World Junior Championships the World World Cup of Hockey all that stuff keep it short we are going way longer than (laughs) sorry sorry Uh, I mean you know I I thought he had a fantastic season I I would have loved to see him at least get um, a game or two with the Moose to reward or not with the Moose with the with the Jets to kind of reward uh, the fact that he had such a fantastic year um, but I guess him going to the world championships uh, and winning gold was the uh, the kind of the cherry on top of everything for him um, it does kind of suck that he was in Latvia while uh, you know our, our top center goes down but at the same time I, I don't expect him to actually have gotten into the lineup just because uh, we we all know uh, the people who make the decisions here um, in, in general though fantastic season I'm super excited to see what he can be I hope that he's a regular next year um, if he's on the t- I, I don't even know if we're gonna have a taxi squad next year but he if he's in and out of the lineup I will lose my mind um, <laughs> either have him playing full-time in the AHL or full-time on second or at least third line uh, and power play I agree yeah um February 21st, uh, Dubois has a three-point game, and he scores oh, no. uh, his second of the night in <laughs> overtime. So that was his performance of the year, in my opinion, and it was just all downhill after that. So, Daniel, why don't you take us through how you felt about having this player on your team? Um, if like we're, I, There are so many opinions about this man on Twitter right now. There are polar opposites. There, there are the me's of the world, and then there are the – He's never even going to be a quality third line center. We wasted it. Anyways, there, there's there's a whole spectrum there. Where do you fall? And what did you think of his year with the Jets? Well, I was I wasn't upset when you know we had talked. We just talked about that. You know, I think it was the trade you kind of had to make at the time, and you're never going to get that kind of player or the player that we thought Dubois was. Yeah, that's a better answer. For, yeah. 
for <laughs> Line A, or at least the way he was perceived at that time of the trade. Mm-hmm. He was perceived as a top center, you know, sooner or even now. Um, so you look at him, he comes in, the year's already messed up for every player, of course. Um, but he comes in, you know, to a different team. He has to quarantine for two weeks. He plays like two games or whatever, gets injured, and then comes back. And I think that's around the time where he gets that uh, the two-goal game there that we just mentioned. So, you know, at that point, things are looking up. You know, he looks like, okay, well, you know, this could be pretty good. Uh, we don't expect, like, Dubois is not going to be a 50-goal scorer. He's not going to pot 50 a year. That's just not uh, the kind of player he is. Or, yeah. Um, but then the see it just keeps going down and down and you're like, okay, he hasn't scored in like three weeks. You know, he hasn't scored in 20 games now. Like what's going on. Right. So no, pra- like some people say it's kind of BS to use these excuse of no practice and a whole new team, but I give him a little bit of leeway this season. Um, but next season, he after a full training camp and getting to know everybody developing chemistry, like he better be for next year. Like he better be kind of what, we expect or at least coming into his own um, style of play, which is that big center kind of, you know, using his body and that kind of thing and generating stuff down low, which is what he was kind of known for uh, in Columbus. So, I mean, I'm excited for the future of him. Like he's only 22, right? So he's not even in that, those prime, those prime Mm -hmm. years yet. So he's got some time still in my eyes. I mean, obviously you want, he didn't produce at a line A level, but line A really didn't do anything in Columbus this season either which is a product of some other stuff that I don't want to get into, but I was okay with it all. I guess at the end of the day, it, it happened. And now we have Dubois and we don't have line. We just kind of got to live with it. Right. So. Right. It, like, honestly, it, I agree. Like for someone who feels so strongly about so many aspects of that trade, like netting them all, I'm pretty neutral about the whole thing altogether. Like love the guy that we got, love the guy that we lost didn't like the season, didn't like the season. Like there's so many things, but yeah, I think it's one of those things where having that extra year that lining doesn't is going to be really massive for giving him uh, like an accurate payout. I think like, I, I wonder what line is going to make this summer. And I wonder if it's going to be reflective of this season or the three seasons leading up to it, you know? Um, okay. On March 18th, Pionk records his season high time on ice of 27 minutes and 18 seconds against Edmonton. So Justin, were you expecting this breakout season from Neil Pionk? How did you feel about him? Um, like, just where where did he come from? <laughs> and just kind of talk about the season that Neil Pionk had with the Jets and the little blessing in disguise that he was. Yeah, so um, I think uh, when we first got Neil Pionk from the Rangers, people were sort of expecting, like, a Tyler Myers-esque player where he would kind of just be good on the power play and, like, literally terrible at five-on-five. Five. So uh, last season, he had a, a, a pretty – I guess above expectation season, but then this season he really broke out this, Mm -hmm. this, this past season. Uh, It was a pleasant surprise because looking around the rest of the Jets decor, they have like Dylan DeMello and then literally like nobody who performed well this season. So it was nice to have. And he did this all while lugging around Derek Forbert in some pretty hefty minutes uh, or uh, yeah, tough competition minutes is what I meant. So um he was a a a pleasant surprise I know in his exit interview he said uh he was lacking confidence in New York so I mean to me that's more than confidence I think he took a huge step um in this uh past season and like he was excellent on the power play he was pretty good at at generating offense on five on five and uh 
yeah, just uh, a lot of positives for me from Pionk, um, which is uh, very few and far between on this decor. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I think also his power play production was probably, like, I remember last year he had, like, a weird, like, per time on ice play, he, like, ranked fifth. It was stupid. He has, but we we, we couldn't stand how he couldn't pass the lining. So mm-hmm. not having lining on the power play this year probably made Pionk look better. Um, But I agree that this year was exactly what we needed for him. And honestly, like, if we overpay for him in the next year, I don't even care. He deserves it after this year. Um, I might bite my words on that, but whatever. We'll see. Um, March 24th, Daniel, Andrew Cobb scores four goals um, to win a Winnipeg $100,000. Um. What did you think of his season? And uh, just like without getting too deep into the expansion dress up, because we're going to do more of that later. Um, are you thinking about keeping him? Are you thinking about protecting Appleton over him? Like, what are your thoughts on his season with the Jets? And do you think any of it reflects on what your choice would be in the expansion drop? Well, I think, yeah, I think Cop had another, another good season. Uh, last year, he was great as well. Like that shortened, shortened 70 game season or whatever. Um you know, it's very rare that a player that goes through arbitration uh, re-signs long-term with that with that team. Obviously, he uh, this is this I believe this is the second year of his two-year arbitration awarded contract or whatever. I think yeah, he's a he's free agent, right? Yeah, he's gonna be. He'll yeah. be an RFA this summer. Like he, this yeah. A, yeah, okay, so he's an RFA right now. Okay, um, yeah. So I mean, obviously, I don't want to see Kopko. I don't want to see Appleton go. I, I hate seeing guys go that I actually like. Like I like Appleton. I like Cop. Um, so, you know, obviously he's pretty valuable, and I think he is actually has the potential to play in the top six regularly. Obviously, I want the Jets to always run to more of a top nine anyway, which is something that Cop would be suited for. You know, getting that you know just a few less minutes, but still playing near top line minutes, like that fifteen minute a night thing, right? Uh, he's pretty good on the penalty kill from what uh, from what my eyes tell me. I don't have nothing, anything to back it up, but I'm sure I'm not crazy in saying this. Um, so I would like to keep Cop, obviously, but I think his price might be too high just in that mm-hmm. sense. Um, and uh, and uh, yeah, I don't really have a comment on the expansion draft. I'm not too into all that kind of stuff, but if I'm picking between Cop or Appleton, I'm definitely keeping cop like i think that's pretty should be a no-brainer i think anyway that's kind of my opinion i i like him yeah fair enough um yeah i thought it was i thought he did a good job of jumping back and forth between lines as needed i think he played on all three of the top nine this year like center wing top line second third like so good on him for being able to adjust um Brady, uh, April 2nd, uh, Paul Maurice lets everyone know that Nathan Bolio has received or has undergone surgery and he is out for the year. Uh, This is a really weird moment because (laughs) no one was celebrating the injury, but a lot of people were celebrating the fact that we didn't have to see him again for the rest of the season on our blue line. No ill will, but because, you know, injuries are injuries, but uh, we weren't loving him and the, the Morrissey-Bolio pairing. Um, what are just kind of your thoughts on our defense this year, the replacement level guys, some of those contracts we sent? Like, what were your thoughts on sort of the decor in general? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I started out the season, um, you know, I, obviously the, the biggest glaring one is Bolio. Um, him playing on our top uh, pair was just an absolute disaster and uh, not not only playing on it on our top pair but playing on his offside um, 
was just yeah. a joke. Like the just the the way that the um the, the defense were deployed and, and again it goes back to what Justin and I were talking about before the fact that you had to you know make room for or you know change your defense up to to accommodate your third pair guy in Logan Stanley again I I, I don't like the fact that Billy Hanola was was pushed was pushed to the side because you know you know as much as as Logan Stanley was a, a breath of fresh air this year and a lot better than we we thought he would be um again albeit in sheltered minutes with a good partner um I think that Billy Hainola is a guy who has a much higher ceiling and with the actual time and development um you know could have been a a, a second line or not second at least a second pair guy even you know filling in on, on the first when you have guys go down um like I'm, I'll probably touch on this later when we talk about the Montreal series, but like there, you know, there's the fact that you, you constantly put in guys who are, you know, they're role players. Um, the issue is, is that they're stuck to that role. They can never go out of that. Logan Stanley was never this year going to be able to be a second pairing guy. Uh, you know, if someone goes down to injury uh, or if DeMello get like DeMello gets hurt or this and that. Um, but it, it's, I don't know the, 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 even things like Tucker Pullman being on the top pair once, once, Demel, uh, once, geez, I'm getting mixed up. Once Bolia goes out, exactly. It's just, it just was a very uh, poor usage of, of the players that we have and, and the prospects that we have. I would have loved to seen even Dylan Sandberg step in and mm-hmm. play uh, at least a game or two. Again, you, you got to try things. You got to see what can work um, so that when, you know, push comes to shove you know what you can can fall back on and i think that the jets did a poor job during the entire season setting themselves up um for the you know for the playoffs to know what they have in guys other than just logan stanley um but again logan stanley scored two goals in the last game so who who am i to judge you know um <laughs> anyways yeah that I, I don't know i don't have a, a real concise point on the defense other than uh it was all over the place Uh, i thought forward was uh for the first little bit of the season i actually was pleasantly surprised with him i thought he was actually really good uh and then the season went on and i was like (laughs) no not 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 so much that's Um, not it yeah yeah like i I, it was so interesting like forward for example like I, I mentioned this in one of our Twitter spaces. Like, I thought we really got the most out of Forbert. Like, I think the beginning of the season was a fluke. I don't think that he's that good. I think we saw the best we could have. And I don't think it's fair to someone like that to, who's doing the best that they can to make them play with your best defenseman and play against Connor McDavid. Like, it just makes them look worse than they are. I think he did a good job, but it was just – it's the same thing with Nathan Bullio in the top pairing. I don't think Nathan is a bad defenseman. I just felt bad for him for the role that he was given to be the number one guy. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Um, but right. I wish him well. I hope he heals quickly and I hope, um, he's very happy on another team. Um, <laughs> Justin, I'm going to throw this next one to you. So April 5th, um, Blake Wheeler goes down with an injury against Ottawa. I think it was like a Brady Kachuk elbow or something stupid like that. How did you feel about his performance before and after this injury? Like, what did you think of his season? What did you think of his playoff run? Because I know a lot of people um, thought that he really had a good um, couple of games in the playoffs there. And how did you feel about um, the reunion of the Connor Shifley Wheeler line? Like, just kind of all things Wheeler break it down. What did you think of his year? Yeah, so for Wheeler, I think, um, to me, this is a guy that's aging. Uh, This is a guy that's way past his peak. 
he used to be a really underrated, excellent top line forward. I don't think that he's that anymore. And kind of similar to the defense, the coach doesn't realize that and is still utilizing him as if he's a top line forward. I will say to his, uh, I guess, uh, to be fair to him, he, he was playing obviously with an injury for like the first, was it 30, 40 games or something? And his play really reflected that. Like he had, like he fell off of a cliff. Like it was very, very bad in terms of the analytics and the sort of underlying numbers behind his game. And uh, I mean, definitely when he kind of was cleared and, and, and kind of uh, healed from the injury, he looked better, which is, I guess, encouraging because you're still paying the guy a lot of money for a few more years as it four <laughs> four years or something so you know you have to hope that he's gonna at least give you some value and i think going forward with blake wheeler i think he's gotta see if he can change his game and see if he'll be willing to adapt to more of a checking role i think if he focused his game on uh, playing on the third line, maybe with Lowry and pro, or if not pros back or cop or something kind of just, uh, you know, saying, uh, you know, conceding the, I guess the top six minutes and the heavy offensive duty, if he could maybe try and, uh, lessen his role and then just get him back out there on the power play where he excels. I think that that could be something looking, looking, moving forward. But I think at some point we just got to cut cut the crap and realize he's not a top six forward anymore and i really hope that uh that paul maurice can uh can can catch wind of that assuming he's back next year <laughs> assuming uh, yeah. we, all, we all know, we all know. <laughs> um yeah, i'm holding out hope in, interesting point that you bring up too with the whole idea of a checking line like we always talk so much crap about him and connor and shifley because of how bad their defense is like the empty net kings i genuinely <laughs> think of the three of them wheeler has the highest defensive ceiling like I genuinely don't think that Cal Connor is able to play defense I don't think he ever will and I don't think he'll ever have to no. if they give him the right role I just don't think that's the kind of player he is Shifley maybe I don't even want to get started on that guy right now because I genuinely like, everything I ever thought of <laughs> yeah. him just seems like I'm just incorrect on everything ever so but I think he totally has it in him and I think if you were to modify his game someone like Mason Appleton I don't think Mason Appleton is a checking guy but he realized that the way to make the roster this year and have a solid spot was to be on that checking line so he adapted his game and it worked out really well for him and I think Blake Wheeler totally has it in him and I think if he cares as much about doing what's mm-hmm. best for the team as he seems to think he, or as he seems to feel like he does then that's what you need to be doing as you get older and slower <laughs> um yeah uh okay April 12th Daniel Welcome to Winnipeg, Jordy Ben. How did you feel about the trade deadline this year? Um, I think we all have a lot of thoughts and just kind of um, what ended up being a super anticlimactic trade deadline. Um, In hindsight, should we have just completely gone all in to sell? Should we have completely gone all in to buy? What or are we never going to want to go all in to buy while we still have this coach? Um, So what were your thoughts on the trade deadline this year? Well, every trade deadline, you know, you hear all these, you know, all these great rumors, all these great players and, you know, who's buying, who's selling, whatever, all that. Um, I mean, the Jordy Ben trade is whatever as a six round pick. I mean, he shouldn't have played at all, but that's a situational thing, whatever, coach, whatever. Um, it was a trade that probably didn't have to be made as well. He's pretty much useless. Um, but overall, the trade deadline, you know, you never know what you're going to get. 
out of an acquisition that's going to be like a month plus the playoff run or whatever it may be. Um, like you look, I got the Islanders Boston game on there. One, uh, one of the guys that was traded has a pile of goals for, uh, for the Islanders or Boston. I can't Paul recall Paul his Mary. name. Yeah. Paul Mary. Right. So not everyone's going to be like Paul Mary and pot like a dozen goals or whatever he has, or, you know, but the Jets definitely needed to improve their defense if they wanted to make a run. And I think, think I probably wouldn't have been okay with I mean the draft this year is kind of weak I guess you losing a first round pick eh. but then you got to make it to at least the conference finals right not I mean obviously we didn't do that maybe we, we probably wouldn't have done that even with a top four defense addition right so mm-hmm. it's yeah. really hard to grade something that you don't really know um I would have been okay with trying because I'm all about winning right so you kind of want to see that the team is okay or that wants to win, you know, so... You may be the only one in Winnipeg, Daniel, who is all about <laughs> Well, that's, that's sure as hell seems like that some days. Um, yeah. No, but it's, like, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to grade it. I mean, like, the Ben trade to me is nothing. It's a six-round pick. It's whatever, like, the odds of finding a six-round player. And even if you do, like, Sammy Niku was a seventh-round pick, he's or a sixth-round pick or whatever, no, look at him now. now. Yeah. <laughs> so... So to me, I mean, whatever they did, what they did, and maybe the price for whoever the guys they were targeting on defense was just too much. And I'm glad they didn't overpay like crazy for someone like give up a first and a second and a prospect, right? Like that's just, that's crazy to me, but I would have been okay with it, but also not okay with it at the same time. I would have taken Mike Riley for a third or what was it? Yeah. Yeah. Like a trade like that instead of Ben for a sixth, yeah that's why why can't you pull that off but there's a whole like there's so much going on that day like it's mm. tough to it's tough it's to tough know to, what could have actually happened exactly and it's you hear all this crap from you know various media outlets and report and you don't know who's talking to who right so it's hard to yeah i think it was a weird deadline and i think anyone who blames chevy for not getting a defenseman for the reason that the jets didn't do well in the playoffs needs to give their head a bit of a shake if I'm being completely honest so but I think there was just a very underwhelming day uh depending what way you want to look at it kind of thing and I think everyone knows that I think the organization knew that too so there are some answers internal there are some internal answers to things yeah and then that and then that quote comes out we're like okay we're gonna see Hainola for the next three weeks or however many weeks are left in the season and we saw him twice they never saw him again Yeah. (laughs) yeah so um yeah and that, and that, that's, you know, and they did, and Chevy did know that in what well, he said, that they have the upgrades in the organization, you know, Hainola and Sandberg could, could have easily both played this season, I think as well. It's and little things like that that hardly did. way more than any of the coaches behind the bench. I'm like, yeah. this guy, he knows what's up. Um, also because a lot of GMs are terrible in our season. So, um, okay, Brady, on April 14th, Trevor Lewis scores a nice little shorthand goal. How did you feel about uh, some of those fourth-line guys um, the year that he had, the year that Thompson had, the year that Perot had? Just kind of unpack them a little bit nice and quickly. Uh- for sure, yeah, quickly. Matthew no, 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 sorry, I just mean that. It's, no, no, it's three no. players, but we don't need to... You no, know, I know. Yeah. Uh, so, Matthew Pro, first off, I love this man. He can stay on my team as long as he'd like to, uh, bar- barring him being like, I want, you know, 
a lot of money or anything. I don't know. I don't even know where I would draw the line on him. Uh, I think he's a fantastic player. He is uh, super useful. Uh, you can play him wherever. Of course, he's getting a bit older, but at the same time, he's he's in the bottom of the lineup, um, and he is incredibly useful. Uh, Trevor Lewis, I actually really liked the addition of Trevor Lewis. I think you know he is a bit older. He's I think he's like thirty four, um, but again, he you know he adds the the leadership. He's won a cup, uh, which clearly helped us. Um, <laughs> Uh, oh yeah i guess so my bad um, uh, <laughs> but yeah that no, was trevor, another big sign <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh trevor lewis was was good i thought he he played his role properly um and he was good in those minutes so it, you know when we always talk about getting those guys to fill at the bottom of the lineup you don't just want uh your glue guys who can't play hockey you want your glue guys who can uh who can actually play hockey and trevor lewis was that uh nate thompson i not a huge fan of uh you know of course he taught shifley how to, to win face-offs so uh oh, i guess his... how to be the worst uh, that so. maybe that year. rubbed off on him yeah too. yeah <laughs> maybe <laughs> um but no i i think i think the <laughs> my biggest issue with the thompson signing is that last year we saw david gustafson playing you know mi- minutes with the jets mm-hmm. um and to you know this year he gets relegated back to the moose again he's only 20 years old still so he's still got lots of time to uh to play in this lineup but again i i would have liked to have seen him um play the season with the jets this year and then uh, like i said it, it, it's more about just getting him up to speed with the nhl constantly giving him those minutes so that again who knows if he plays all year this year next year he could be potentially a third line guy maybe we don't have to necessarily pay so much money for either you know copper i'm gonna say this and i'm gonna get hate or lowry like it's i love lowry but uh, again it's it's looking forward to the future um I find that that's an issue that the, this organization has with its deployment of, of players and choosing to go with uh, replacement level guys over them. Um, But all in all, again, pro love him, Lewis. Good. I I don't mind that signing and Thompson. I would have stayed away from, but it is what it is. Fair enough. Uh, April 16th. um, Brady, give us a little segue. Adam Lowry gets a contract the contract extension so that um created a little bit more of a headache possibly for the expansion draft just because he was supposed to be a ufa at the end of this year and we were thinking maybe um he could sign with us after the expansion draft all that fun stuff um what did you think of his season uh justin what did you think um about the contract signing what do you how do you feel about his future here are you one of those people that thinks that he deserves a letter are you happy with the contract are you happy with the contract based on player based on just kind of the intangible uh, leadership and just kind of what he's given to this team during his career, all that stuff, sort of just Adam Lowry. What's the, what's the word? <laughs> <laughs> so for me with, with Adam Lowry, um, I didn't, I mean, there's two things with this contract. First of all, like, like you mentioned, Liz, I, I think that they should have done it after the expansion draft. Like I know that Lowry has been pretty loyal and the Jets have been loyal back to, to, to Lowry. And I feel like they could, they could trust each other enough to have gotten it done after the expansion draft as a UFA for the same uh, dollar uh, price tag and that they could have had an extra spot to protect a guy, maybe like Mason Appleton or, or whatnot. Um, but I mean, it's not a huge deal, I guess at the end of the day, if we lose Appleton, we lose Appleton. But uh, in, in, in terms of the contract, I don't actually, I don't really love it. I think it's an overpay. I don't remember the exact figure, but I feel like Three, it's two, probably, five. it's probably, yeah. So maybe about 500 K 
uh, high and maybe a year or two too much. Um, with that being said, like, I mean, uh, you, you don't really want to tie up kind of bottoms. Like we know he's not a top six player. You don't really want to sign bottom six guys to multi-year, multi-million dollar deals because theoretically you should be able to find bottom six guys for cheap either through free agency or if you actually uh, played your prospects with which the Jets don't do, they sign uh, guys like Nate Thompson to clog up, clog up the way for them. But uh, uh, so we don't know anything about that, but uh, <laughs> you're saying you shouldn't sign bottom six guys to term Jim Benning is shaking right now. Yeah. He's losing his mind. <laughs> yeah, Shout out so- to Jim who listens to all these uh, episodes. I'm sure. JR is looking at the Brandon Tanev deal going, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So like, I mean, to be fair to it, it's, it's not as egregious as those deals. So like, I don't hate it and I understand why they did it. Like Lowry's probably going to wear a letter one day. He's obviously probably pretty well-respected in the room and uh, he's been there for a long time. He knows the system. I'm sure a lot of the players look up to him and like him. So, I mean, I get why they did it, but just to me, I think that it was a little bit pricey and a little too many years and should have happened uh, kind of after after the after the year. Uh, I, Brady, you look like you wanted. To sorry, jump in. I was gonna say, and and the, like going back to what you said about even the timing of it, like it's good to reward your guy, but at the same time, it's like we all know the NHL. We all know GMs have their, you know, their little things that they do uh, in order to, you know, find their way around the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, let's not kid ourselves and say that, that top drawer deals don't happen. Like, like where you basically go, okay, this is your deal. This is your thing. We're not going to sign it right now, but it's in the top drawer. It's sitting here. We're ready to sign it whenever the time comes. And uh, you know, that's just a, a tiny little thing where you go, okay, you, you should have a little bit more foresight to be like, you know, this is going to be a guy who we do need to protect now. Um, and uh, I, you know, I, I don't think it would be wise for Seattle to take a guy who's a UFA. So that is easily mm-hmm. a, a, another yeah. way to get another roster spot or uh, another player um, protected essentially. Um, so I think that that, that is a huge, a big point to bring up there, Justin. Yeah. Or the, I think the he timing. would have been the guy to do it with too. Like, I think he wants, yeah. right. I think he would have signed well, his dad. His dad's the assistant coach, right? He's got <laughs> right. a little yeah. incentive. Like, too, he's so. not going to sneak around it. They they leave him, and all of a sudden he signs for double that elsewhere, or like in even Vegas. Less than that. Yeah, like you no, know, like that never would have happened. So yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but whatever. Anyways, okay. Um, Daniel, May eleventh. Um, Stastny, Paul Stastny plays his thousandth career NHL game. So that was pretty special. Uh, I got the shirt. So we all enjoyed the ceremony, the little sticks for the kids. I thought True North did a really good job with that. How did it feel to be part of that? How did you feel about bringing him back this year? Um, just how do you feel about Paul Stastny in general? Yeah, I was, you know, I was happy that they got, like, I wanted him to stay, like, originally when they had brought him. Uh, just because of the way he did play in that in those that month or whatever, uh, or the, I guess the three months that he was part of the Jets, the first time for that nice playoff run, and it was a surprise trade at that time. Like no one had that uh, that predicted or that coming up, right? So it was nice. And this year, I thought he was, you know, he's just kind of that calming. Like list list you and I have said this about four thousand times. He's like that calming guy that you know, like he could play with. Uh, like for example, when he was with uh, like. Ehlers and whoever or Ehlers and Line even he could kind of just he's kind of just there you know he's going to be in the right spot he's going to cover for the kids you know that kind of stuff and he's you know he's fairly effective too even though he's you know he's getting up there in age now and he's going to be on that decline or whatever and he already is I guess but 
I always liked, uh, always liked watching him. You know, he's just, he's just always around and he knows where that, you know, he's just got that extra sense that not all uh, hockey players have. And only the ones that have long careers do have is that just that extra hockey sense or that hockey IQ kind of thing. That's just a little bit higher than other guys. So it's not, it was nice to have him this season for sure. And I, I think he did make a good enough impact to make it worth it. But Daniel, the, we we were helping out the Golden Knights by trading for him. Don't you remember that? Yeah, that was that's... I I think also we gotta give a bit of props to Chevy for for making that deal because I what well, it's a, a fourth and and Dahlstrom. Like mm-hmm. there's cheap. Yeah. Like, that was, so it was a good cheap. yeah. And it and... maybe it was a cap dump for Vegas, but look at what we got. Look at what we got. I said I would have paid to get rid of Carl Dahlstrom. A, and... <laughs> a smart G, a smart GM sees when when another team is up against it and goes, "Okay, what can I do to help you?" And you're, I'm not paying a lot for That's, it. That's it makes up for that uh, uh, Chris Mason Yoel Armia thing, right? right. You know, he took Steve he kind of took advantage. <laughs> or just, yeah, whatever. That, Mason Mason too, um, but it did. Credit... Uh... Oh, sorry. No, you go. Oh, no, I was just saying, I think yeah, that's also why you credit Joe Sackick. He saw Lou Lamorello this year backed yep. up against the wall and said, mm-hmm. I'll give you two seconds for a Norris caliber defenseman. And Lou <laughs> oh, Lamorello was like, I got to say, yes, I haven't even paid Matt Barzell yet. And I have $7 left on the cap. Hit, yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> and, that's, and that's so good. <laughs> and that's the kind of thing like that's going to happen to your, you know, what happened to the Jets, you know, when they had the, the Mason and Armia trade. So, you know, it's, it ha- it's going to happen to any team that wants to be, that wants to be good, right? You're going to have to maybe do a cap dump at some point. Chicago did a bunch of them, right? Yeah, like you, you're looking. Dump. Justin Bufflin was a cap dump. Exactly, but, yeah. right. So you just look at all those, it's stuff that's going to happen. And like we, you said, good GM or decent GM will realize that and make it happen, right? He'll, he'll fleece, fleece them for, a, for an effective player that the team needed, like, Stastny was definitely a huge addition. It wasn't just like mm-hmm. acquiring, you know, he wasn't acquiring a garbage contract or a garbage player with a garbage contract. It was acquiring a decent, effective player with a contract that you could afford and the other team couldn't, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, on that same day, Brady, Connor Hellebuck recorded his fourth shutout of the season against the Canucks. Um, let's talk about the Vezina snub. Let's talk about how sore his shoulders must be from carrying this pack. Let's talk about... <laughs> the best <laughs> goalie of the decade um ooh, ooh hot take no i'm kidding no He's... i i i have nothing to back up that claim other than <laughs> look at the wins of a replacement of the defenseman playing in front of him oh. like no exactly. and then look at his yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> um yeah no i mean he is he's good but I, I don't know what else to say he's he's is he? really he's really good um <laughs> It's hard to go deeper than that sometimes. I right, like it's we we can we can you know explain all the the goals saved above expect, expected and everything like that. But you just look at the the team that he has in front of him, uh, and the fact that we weren't even that great offensively this year, and obviously defensively we were bad. Um, and again, just picking him up, throwing him on the shoulders, put uh, and just straight up walking us into the playoffs, and then through the first round. Um, He's fantastic. It's really sucks to see that he got the snub. Uh, I don't know why the GMs are the ones who vote on the Vesna. I don't know why the GMs vote on 
any of the things definitely should be <laughs> it should definitely be the and also that just goes to show how stupid the gm yeah are. right <laughs> um it, it, it's we so funny that, like <laughs> It's so funny the fact that you you just happen to go to NHL.com. You go okay, sort by wins, oh. and you get uh, Vasilevsky. Who could have um, seen this coming? <laughs> yeah, Vasilevsky, Grubauer, and Flurry, and it's like Flurry and Vasilevsky absolutely deserve to be there. Mm-hmm. Grubauer is great; he had a great year, but he did not have a Connor Hellebuck year. Uh, I, I I think that that was a, a a big snub by the NHL or by the GMs, but um, it is what it is. We all know how good he is. He knows how good he is. Um, yeah. I don't know. He's good. That's that. I, I've yeah. got nothing else. <laughs> he is and good. I, I would argue yeah. that um, the three best teams in the NHL this year were the ones whose goalies got nominated for the Vesna. Uh, Colorado, yep. Vegas, and who am I missing now? Tampa Bay. Tampa. Those are the three best teams in the NHL. Um, and I don't want to just, dis- the goalies don't deserve to be discredited. Like Vasilevsky is a terrific goalie. And I don't give that much credit to the defense when he has playing in front of him because, you know, Victor Hedman is not a Norris Caliber defenseman anymore. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but Kilmakar is. No, anyways, sorry. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, Kelly is our savior and we love him very much. Um, okay. Daniel, May 19th, game one against the Oilers. Um, what are some quick highlights and lowlights of the series? Um, but spoiler alert, the next thing that I'm going to get Justin to talk about is um, the game two and the two goal game by our special little friend. So talk less about him because that's the next point. <laughs> so just talk about the playoffs, kind of that series against Edmonton, just kind of what you thought. All that. The whole the whole series, like just the of the whole series or? Yes, other than that one specific comeback win. Yeah, Justin, okay. Um, prepare yourself because that's. Really <laughs> <the best>. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, like obviously, you know, going into uh, going into the playoffs, the Jets were kind of on a little bit of a slump. They did kind of turn it around in their their play, just not the results heading into the playoffs the last five or six games or whatever. Um. We knew we had Connor Hellebuck going in. We knew Mike Smith was thirty nine years old. Um. We knew we had to as long as McDavid and Dreisaitl didn't really get going, we'd be in a, in a good situation. And obviously the Jets were, you know, they went to three overtime games in a row, three, uh, three next goal win games. Right. And they, it, it was the same Jets that we saw all year that just happened to string together four wins, three of those being in overtime. Right. So it was very exciting, obviously to watch like any sweep, by your team is very exciting right so like and then staying out like i know i think all of us were up till 1 30 a.m mm-hmm. on that uh on yeah. that triple oh, overtime winner right and if you didn't notice i still got my broom there i had to leave I, it up because the, the, the jets still flies. it's still yeah. yeah i didn't even have to put it away apparently <laughs> um but uh but yeah it was very exciting it was the first sweep in jets history so you know that's something that was good uh, beating the Oilers in the playoff, uh, I'm sure made a lot of a uh, lot of our parents and grandparents happy after watching right. the speaking to those that are in the Zoom right now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that we beat the damn Oilers, right? Like that's <laughs> after getting swept and dominated by them in the 80s and 90s, and they blocked our path at a cup for that long. It was just nice, I think, to get the sweep. Um, Hellebuck played out of his mind, as we just mentioned. He does that every game, pretty much anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but just a whole bunch of stuff went right for the Jets and it was just a fun, fun ride to have. And it was four wins in six days. Like that, yeah. that, that's just crazy in itself that we got to see. It was just such a high for like 
the whole thing right so it was it was it was nice mm-hmm. yeah no i think the uh this what is it 6.3 goals saved above expected and that's oh, that, yeah itself something stupid like that um but yeah like you said those next goal game wins um also- next goal wins games <laughs> i can't speak yeah 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 you got I, it yeah um <laughs> you are better suited when you have the better goalie and we did and therefore we won <laughs> i i think another thing we need to point out is the fact that Connor mcdavid drew zero penalties throughout that entire series which is a travesty to the nhl yeah. like i re- i have i can picture exactly it was either uh neil pionk or josh morrissey or both of them because i'm sure it happened both times it was <laughs> no, actually it was morrissey who literally no. pulled him down hooked him and and <laughs> held him and pulled him down in front of the ref and the ref was just like nope I don't see anything. What are you talking about? This is hockey, hockey game. And there was the Demello knee too. That was oh yeah, ago. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like true, I, so. I was defending him to the grave on Twitter over it because that's my guy. But also, eh. <laughs> um. But yeah, no, it was it was interesting. But I don't think that they, especially since it was a sweep, I don't think they would have won the series with a couple more penalties. I think they they should be disappointed with their performance because we'll get there but this jets team was horrible <laughs> so like it's the same jets team that we saw all year right it's it was yeah yeah exactly and yeah so anyways um moving on to justin on may 24th um best comeback in jets history Nikolai Ehlers scores the second goal of the night to win uh 5-4 in overtime we were down 4-1 at one point four goals in eight minutes, the Josh Morrissey goal, the uh, other Nikolai, like it was just, oh, I like absolutely euphoric just thinking about it. Like probably the best moment of my entire life was that evening. Uh, Just talk about it. Talk about Nikolai Ehlers season two. We haven't talked about him at all yet. And everyone who listens to this podcast knows just how much we love this guy. Um, What were your thoughts? Uh, Right. So (laughs) yeah, that, that comeback was like absolutely incredible. Like, I mean, there's literally like few words that you could use to describe like how amazing that was. I mean, down four to one, eight minutes or left or whatever it was. And like, I mean, I already gave up hope. I, I know I was tweeting. I said, Oh, I hope that the jets like show up tomorrow. Cause this isn't going <laughs> to be enough. And before you know it, they pot bang, 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 three goals. And they're, uh, they're going to overtime. It was just like, I couldn't believe my eyes. And, uh, you know, then of course, like, you know, going into overtime four or four, you got to win that game. If you're going to end up losing in overtime, that's going to be a huge letdown. And so to see the best jet, uh, that's not a goaltender you know, to, to put that away in the, in the top shelf there, Nick Ehlers. Um, it was, Honest. it was, it was chef's definitely, uh, the, yeah, Brady's doing the <laughs> chef's kiss if yeah. you can't see the video, but, uh, we're, we're all doing it. Uh, um, and on a set face-off play too, that never worked too, right? Yeah. So it was just like, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah so, was, uh, oh. so shout out to, to Mike Smith for being bad in that period and uh, giving, <laughs> us, giving, us, uh, giving us a chance there. And then I guess, yeah, so the second part of your question there, uh, just either as a whole, I mean, it's just um, amazing how, how, how good he is. I mean, he's just such a shifty, crafty player. He's not obviously uh, quite as shifty as McDavid, but He's that same sort of, you know, making moves, carrying the puck in in the neutral zone. He has some of the best zone entries in the league, and he has a fantastic shot. And I think getting away from lining on his line, he was able to utilize that a lot more this year. He wasn't just driving play and then looking to be the playmaker. 
he was being more assertive and being the shoot first guy. And I think that a lot of the hockey men kind of realized like, Oh, now that he's scoring goals, like he's actually good. <laughs> this is the Nikulers that we've had for years. And like, I mean, to me, I just, I know that they've kind of wasted the sort of Wheeler prime. And uh, I just hope that the Ehlers Hellebuck prime does not go to waste because they've had two really fantastic seasons, both of them. And uh, like, we're so lucky to have a, an elite goalie. So few teams have this luxury and have this that they can count on and to have an elite uh, Danish King, like Nick Ehlers on, on your, <laughs> on your top line. Right. And I just, like they got to make the most of this. Like they have some really elite talent on the top of their roster. And the fact that year in and year out, they can't make noise in the playoffs because they screw around with gritty guys on the bottom six or whatever. It's just, it's, it's disappointing. So I know, I don't know how it got to that point when you were talking about a great comeback like that and Nick Ehlers, how it got so negative, but maybe I'm just pissed off with, with the way that that Montreal <laughs> series went and I got a vent, but uh yeah, Nick Ehlers good. And that comeback was amazing. I, I think it's also worth noting the fact that uh, when talking about how good he was this year, the fact that our second power play by every single metric, every single mm-hmm. metric was better than our first one. <laughs> and, and like, I'm not even like, even every single, like, like uh, stat wise metric. And then like, even just visually, just too, looking was, at them, it was yeah. so much better. And, and you like what you've got, the first unit that's got what Kyle Connor, Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley, uh, Stastny and, and Morrissey. And then you look and you've got like, Perot cop like these are great players but like they're not your pp1 guys mm-hmm. and and everything was going through Ehlers and and Pionk too good got to give him credit there too oh, yeah. um but uh i think it's it's really worth noting the fact that he single-handedly with Pionk carried that that second power play to really being our top power play yeah i you know what keeps me going every day is the thought of Ehlers and like Perfetti and then Dubois and Connor as top line, second line. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Hellebuck talked about us entering our dynasty today. We all laughed at him. If you get rid of some of the excess garbage, they literally could be. They could be because Nick Ehlers and Connor Hellebuck are that good. And I think, yeah, in that Montreal series, like he was the only player when we were just playing the worst hockey maybe of the whole season. He was the only player that every time he got on the ice, I was like, it's possible that we score a goal. It's possible. I didn't think it was going to happen, but he was the only one that gave me like a little bit of hope. And I adore can him. I just uh, can I just jump in too on the on the Nick Ehlers power play thing? I think for next year, I really think <laughs> that the Jets need to build their power play around him, like PP one. Yeah. Like I, I know um, they they tried to split it up and have two really good units that were that were both good. I think next year they need to stack up the 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 first unit and make Ehlers the vocal point. Like they used to have Wheeler kind of like the quarterback of the power play back in the line A days. Now that line is gone, I think you need to make Ehlers like the vocal point of your top power play and uh, um, like just build the, 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 the power play and focus it around him, but put the good guys with him too. Yeah. But I just wanted I, to add that in there. I think yeah, right. That's a good point. Justin, is that you're not even right, I don't think. I don't think they tried to balance out their power plays. I think they put their best yeah, players in the first right. and their second best players in the second one. No, I think that's how they saw it. No, no, I I, I know what you're saying, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just, but after watching this year, if you're an analytics person, if you're an eyes person, like, if you're both, you can't not think that you need to center your power play around him, especially when you don't have someone like Line a right now who, like, we used to say is a power play cheat code. Mm-hmm. That, that's your best guy. But, I think... Um, 
the one last thing. Sorry, the thing with with Line A when he was on the power play was that like the the power play didn't need to be anything that was too fancy because it was just you had a bullet on one side, a guy who can pass the puck anywhere uh, and feed it through anywhere, and then you have Bufflin on top. Where so basically, no matter what, you're dealing with either uh, uh, you know danger from everywhere basically. Whereas without line a on there the the first power play unit was just so static like it right. was just so yeah. um stand around pass the puck around eventually it goes to connor and he tries to take a one-timer and unfortunately kyle connor is just not patrick line a he's just not the same player yeah um and yeah so i so just seeing also the way that ehlers transformed the second power play and also just even the the style that they played the way that it was you know having uh, a lot more movement a lot more um you know, just having making the, the defense on the other team actually have to move rather than just try and stand in the lanes of everything. Um, it, it's it looks good uh, going forward if we can, like I said, just build that power play around him, build him around what his strength is, which is being able to, you know, get the puck uh, and walk in with some speed and either shoot it or you know put it into the slot where there's guys who can bang it home or backdoor anything like that. Sorry, yeah. I just want to add that. <laughs> Nick Ehlers um, is good. Put him on the ice, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, May 24th, Kyle Connor, shitty back check, scores in overtime. <laughs> we sweep the Oilers. How did you feel about Kyle Connor's season? I think a lot of people think we're really hard on him. I know that he is my personal scapegoat. Uh, I blame him for everything. Global warming, Cal Potter's fault. Um, but how did you feel about his season? Um, I think we saw lots of highs and lots of lows from him. Um, just kind of how do you feel about that player? Who is that director? Oh, Daniel. Daniel. <laughs> okay. I have a name written down on my phone, but I don't say them all the time. So, um, so yeah, so Kyle Connor, he doesn't play defense, and that's just something that we've known that we know and that we expect from him to not really play defense that much. Is you know, and as was already mentioned, that's something that if they have him playing on the right line, it's not something that he have to necessarily excel at either, right? which is fine. Like some guys are offensively talented. Like he does have a great shot. Um, he's a pretty good skater. You know, he's got that offensive side, you know, except for maybe some of the retrieval stuff, but he's, you know, he's a good player and maybe a little overpaid and stuff like that, but that's going to happen. Um, but his year, you know, he's always been very streaky as well with his goal scoring throughout his career from what I can remember uh you know he'll go you know a couple of weeks without a goal and then he'll score you know six goals in eight games or something like that right that's just the kind of guy he is the kind of player he is um they did kind of figure out how to use him on the power play like as we had just talked about with like line a you know you need you always need that kind of one-timer shot um on the power play um kyle connor has a good shot and i'm glad that they they at least figured that out kind of of how to get him the puck, you know, and give him those chances at least, right? And let him do his thing. But we know what we're getting with Kyle Carter every game, every year now. He is who he is. Um, they just got to kind of play to his strengths, you know, that, and that comes with who his line mates are and so on and so forth. Uh, he's definitely a 40-goal scorer, and those are not uh, easy to find. So I think you got to at least use him to get those 40 goals, right? That's, that's right. a lot of goals. You didn't pay him. What does he make? Seven million dollars to Seven. be a to be a line driver. That's not why he's here. So let him do what he's here for. I, and I every team has every team's gonna have those guys that can just score, right. right? And that's okay, as long as everyone else around him is 
playing to his strengths, right? And covering up for his weaknesses, right? That's mm -hmm. just the way it's got to be. Brady, June 3rd, game one against the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> it's the day after. It's the day of the Shifley hearing after he hits Jake Evans Oof. in the last minute of the game. Um, let's talk about – you could talk about the series a bit because I know you had a couple things you wanted to mention, but I also want to talk about the awful character development that we saw from him this year. Like, I know for myself, before, like – you know, Dubois has been my favorite player for quite some time, but you always have your favorite player on your own team kind of thing. And he, he was mine. I loved him, whatever. But I just, this year, it's been shot after shot of just, damn it, Shifley, like, why, why are you like this? And it's been frustrating. And at first I thought it was maybe a couple flukes, but it's been a couple seasons now that it's just, I think this is who we have. And I just, I'm not loving it. Um, what are your thoughts on Mark Shifley right now? Uh, uh, I realize probably things are a little bit fresher because of the press conference today and the hit last week. Um, but I think even that aside, we still haven't liked a few things we've seen from him. So you could talk about the Montreal series if you'd like, because I only have one point left and it's just, we all know how this ends and I'm throwing that to Justin. So, Brady, <laughs> well, I'm, 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 I'm going to jump in on the outcome one layer because I, I think I have something there. Yeah, I'll, no, I'll, just talk, I'll just talk about Shifley for now. Um, mm -hmm. In general, uh, you know, I thought he had, uh, I'm going to start from the start season wise. I thought he had a decent season. Um, the, my biggest issue with him is that um, I think that he can be a decent player defensively if he just tries to. The issue is that he, uh, on the back check, um, you know, once he gets to the blue line, he kind of stops skating and he just starts going into, you know, the blind man with the po with the stick trying <laughs> to, you know, trying to reach in there. Um you know, he's, he's an effective player. He's very good offensively. Um, but yeah, there's just a, a couple things there that really uh, frustrate me as, uh, as someone who watches him uh, again, notably his defensive, his, just his effort on the defensive side. I, again, I think that it's, it's an effort thing. It's not an ability thing. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, and then of course, when it comes to any little, you know, any little bump, any little shove, um, and I can kind of relate to this cause I'm a little bit the same way. Sometimes we play hockey, <laughs> but, but I understand how it's frustrating to everyone around them. And especially when I see it on Shifley, it's extremely frustrating, but he just whines after everything, like any little thing, any little call, he's always in the ref's ear. He's always crying about this that the other thing which is just like again it, it's a completely un, unrelated thing to just him as, you know as a player and how effective he is but it's just frustrating to watch to see one of these guys who you're you're championing championing and and hoping you know looking at him being like um you know he's our guy he's our number one center um and you just see you know a bit of the let's let's call it character uh issues and then we get of course to uh the series um, where he does the hardest back check of his entire life <laughs> um, and absolutely clobbers Jake Evans unnecessarily. Um, as far as the suspension goes, I think that four games uh, make sense. Um, I would have been okay with three, uh, but again, that's, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I, I'm glad that they made an example of him because that, that type of hit is not allowed in the game and it shouldn't be. Um, and especially at the time of the, uh, of the game. And it was incredibly scary to see uh, Evans basically completely knocked out lifeless on, on the ground. Um, again, quick shout out to Ehlers for, for, you know, being the good guy and hopping in there and trying to make sure no one falls on him. Um 
but yeah, and then of course we fast forward to to now. Uh, of course, he doesn't get back in the series. And again, I I think that that like not even talking about just like the character of him. Um, that's just like you you're the top center of our team. You can't be doing stupid shit like this. You can't you you can't be getting suspended uh, four games. In, in the second round of the playoffs, he's going to be suspended for the first game of the year next year. Like, <laughs> like he, and he deserves it. He absolutely yeah. deserves it. And then of course we get now to the press conference stuff where on his exit interview and he's going, Oh, I thought I was going to sh- have to try and get shut down by Philip to know, but it turns out it's player safety. And this is like the second time he's come out to the media being like, uh, being like, this was unfair. This and like, just, man, you, you made your bed, you made your decision. You got to sleep it. You got to understand that, you know, when you do something like that, there are repercussions. And, uh, and, and then even, you know, further on in the, in his, in his post, uh, post locker room stuff um he's like saying oh the media doubted us you guys said we're gonna be bottom field like it's just so like petty and just like and and why are you taking victories over 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 (laughs) a second round exit where you get where you get knocked out by the habs the 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 worst playoff team yeah the worst playoff team and and again being like oh you guys thought we were going to be bottom feeders it's like wow congrats you made it into the playoffs in a in a the smallest division only a, a division with only seven teams and three of which are ottawa vancouver and calgary like take a victory lap man oh yeah congrats like it's just it's it's just a loser's (laughs) mentality it's really frustrating i can't i'm not i'm not happy with the guy uh i think that the hit was ridiculous um and then everything after it has been uh a joke just a circus like it's it's brutal Mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not proud to have this guy on my team and 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 i'm 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 more than happy to say that I think that he uh, has has shown his true colors. I uh, I think this is I, I'm not trying to be the person who always circles the blame back to Maurice because I do do that a lot. But I think Shifley's entire career, there's been absolutely a, this massive lack of accountability. Like we mm-hmm. talk every single good, year, yeah. there's been um the the acquiring of the 2c so he's never had a second line center like someone like Dubois or Perfetti or Stastny pushing him he had that spot locked he never had to fight for it he was best friends with the captain we have a player's coach I just think that I wasn't surprised that he had this like what was me mentality with the suspension because it seems like he's gotten a lot of things just kind of handed to him in his career not to say he doesn't work hard but I just think that even if he didn't work as hard, it wouldn't matter. I just feel like it's, it's, it's harder to be motivated in that way. And that maybe that's speaking too much out of, out of line. And I still like him. I think I feel like I'm judging him a little harshly, but it's, it's been something that a lot of people have noticed over the years and it's just a little bit frustrating. And I have another point I wanted to mention about him about, Oh yeah. And also, um, I, can I officially say that the argument that since he doesn't swear he's a good leader has officially been put to bed? Yeah. That has been stupid since the beginning, and I hope I never hear that again. Anyways, yeah. um, my last point is June 7th, Montreal completes the sweep, ending the Jets' season. Um, this will kind of, I'll throw this to everyone. I was going to throw it to Justin first, and we'll all just kind of give our final thoughts on the season. This has been a long episode. If anyone's still listening, we appreciate you guys. <laughs> this obviously is going to be quite extensive because 
just the nature of the season. It's the weirdest season that the Jets have ever played. Probably the weirdest season almost in NHL history, just because what the hell was this? Um, <laughs> and there's a lot to unpack. So just a lot going on, but everyone can kind of give their last thoughts. Obviously this isn't all we're going to do in the off season. So there will be time to talk about some of the more forward thinking things, but just kind of your wrap up thoughts. I'll throw it to Justin first. Yeah. So that was a really tough series to swallow. I mean, that was ugly to watch. I, I don't really think that they, they, well, they didn't like in terms of the expected goals models, I think it was the most lopsided series in, in the history since they've ever started tracking that stat. <laughs> it was. Like nice. to do that, to do that against like the 2021 or what, yeah. What year is this? 2021. <laughs> uh, like they, they finished 18th in the NHL. They won 24 regular season games. Like they were awful. And to the fact that you were in the second round and you drew them, you got lucky. They upset the Leafs. You had basically a path to the conference final. You were the more talented team. And not only did you lose, you got absolutely like hammered in all four games. And it was just an ugly showing. I know a lot of people say Carey Price goalied the Jets, but you cannot say that when the Jets got like absolutely dominated in possession and shots and scoring chances, all that, this and the other thing. And I think there's two really key points that I want to make, and they both kind of tie hand in hand here. First of all, I think the Jets system sucks and that's why they got exposed by Montreal, I think. Uh, and the other point was the fact that the defense stunk when DeMello was out and the fact that we never got to see Hainala and Sandberg, some of our younger options, and the fact that when the going got tough, they relied on Jordy Frick and Ben to come in when they already had Forbert and Stanley in the lineup and Tucker Pullman. They just had too many bad defensemen on the roster at once playing a bad system. Like, how do you expect that to go well? Uh, I just think that the Jets have really good forwards, but, but in this Montreal series, they, they couldn't get the puck because the defense just chip chip it out off the glass, get a change. And they did that shift after shift after shift and Montreal just came at them in waves. I think to me, I'm really disappointed that we didn't see more Vili Hainala and we didn't see Dylan Sandberg at all this year, because I think both of those guys would have been crucial to get into the lineup when you lost a guy like Dylan DeMello, who's one of your better puck moving guys. And the fact that, you know, Maurice wasn't going to play them in their first game, obviously in the second round, I was just disappointed that they didn't get a shot earlier. Uh, because like Derek Forbert does not have to play all 56 games like Tucker Pullman. Can. <laughs> yeah, like, you, you know, you don't have to play Tucker Pullman all 56 games. Like you can put Sandberg in for 10 of his games and just give him a shot and see how he is. So to me, the the sort of awful system that the Jets play, the, the hybrid in, in, in the D zone, coupled with their lack of puck moving defensemen in this series and their uh, kind of their uh, lack of willingness to to turn to youth it just left a sour taste in my mouth and I'm 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 really disappointed with how that series went because I think kind of everything was tilted in the Jets favor right like they had a, a weak matchup and they could have had a conference finals berth almost given to them and they absolutely squandered it so yeah I was disappointed for sure um yeah, Brady, me, I'll let you go ahead next. Sorry. Yeah, that, that feeds really well into what I want to <laughs> say. So um, the biggest thing for me, uh, again, losing Shifley, of course, is, is a is a big uh, is a big hurt to your, uh, you know, to your offense. But again, I think Justin hit the nail on the head with the fact that the system is is just garbage. Um, even when we're in, the, we get the puck and we were in the offensive zone. It's constantly perimeter shots, shots from the outside. Um, right. 
here's the thing. Logan Stanley shooting top corner from, from the top of the circle <laughs> on, like, almost on the boards is not going to happen every time you do that. And those shots are, are useless. I'll be honest. Um, and then uh, again, the biggest thing was the transition is we couldn't get the puck in our own zone, move it out with control. Yep. And um, you know, uh, Oh, you know, Dylan DeMello's out, which again, here's the thing, Dylan DeMello being out, he's easily one of the most important jets on the defense. But if Dylan DeMello and DeMello being out is your nail in your coffin, that's just your, you shouldn't be in the second round. Um, and I really think that the jets, uh, the jets in this series um, were basically laying in the bed that they made two years ago um, for two years now uh, I, to take it way back. Uh, let's, let's look back at when, you know, half of our defense left Um and, uh, you know, you have uh, vacancies uh, on D and basically you, you fill those in with Anthony Boteto, Carl Dahlstrom, Lucas mm-hmm. Spiza. Listen, I, we all know what Sammy Niku is at this point. He's probably never going to play, uh, you know, be, be a regular in the Jets lineup. And I think that that's uh, to the fault of, of Paul Maurice and, and the fact that he was never used. Um, but you look at, at that and, and, and really the lack of foresight for the Jets um, – to be like, hey, you know, this is a year where we lost half of our decor. This is not going to be a year where we're going to be contenders. Like the writing was on the wall as soon as those three guys left. Um, that's when the Jets should go, okay, what can we do so that in a year, in two years, we are ready to be a contender again? And I, listen, I'm not saying Sammy Niku would be a top line, a top pair guy, but he certainly, if he actually played some freaking hockey games could be <laughs> could be could have been a useful player like he could have genuinely been at least a second pair of, like at you know he could have been a second pair guy you and, and then it, it it comes back to Hanola again like all year you choose to you give logan stanley 37 games 37 games in a 56 game se- season um, and we all know Logan Stanley doesn't have the the ceiling that that Vili Hainola has. You need to look forward and go, okay, who He's are these guys that the physical ceiling? Oh, yeah, he is very close to the physical ceiling. You are correct, but <laughs> but <laughs> but but again, it's 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 this lack of foresight to go, okay, who are guys that if we give them time, if we give them the opportunity to to you know get their foot in the door and and actually you know get some development going. Um, that could potentially be guys for us in, in, you know, even later in the season, like, like there's, there's no reason why Billy Hainola should have had his ELC slide twice. Like he is clearly too good for the AHL. That's why they kept bringing him up from the AHL, uh, team to put him on the taxi squad. But again, he's getting Sammy Nikud in the sense where he's just getting yo-yoed back and forth. He, I mean, he probably played, he played five games with the jets and I think he maybe played like 15 to 20 maybe with with the moose i i I don't i i'm not sure but but the point is though is that there's at least 56 games why is he playing 25 like what's what's going on here it's the same thing with sammy niku back in the day and and again like this is a, a guy we've harped on for for a while now but um, but he's just the example. It's it's the same thing. Even but going back to Patan, like Patan could have been. If Prime Sammy Niku doesn't fit in your system, your system stinks. Exactly. Like it's, I it, it's just a complete failure uh, on the development side of things. When we have guys, and we have the the answers could be internally. As as Chevy said, 
but we're never going to see that because our, our coach just refuses to play anyone who has potential unless they're Kyle Connor or unless they're not Finnish. Uh, I, I like, I don't, I don't know what it is. Um, but it, I don't know. Like this, this is just a thing that's been, been bugging me for days and I can't yeah. stop thinking about because it's just a joke. Like, like it's both forwards and defense, like David Gustafson, again, could be, it could be a guy who potentially could be, you know, that you could look at and go, if he played all year, we could potentially know, okay, maybe he's a, an, a good enough replacement for uh, Mason Appleton or, or someone on that third line, but we have no idea because he, he got no opportunities. It's it, the jets really squandered uh, their opportunity to, to develop their young guys. And I think the, the Montreal series was the result of all that. Um, and again, we get swept by, the fourth place team in our div, the worst team in, in the, the worst team standings wise, I'm not going to say the worst team, the worst team standing wise in, uh, in the playoffs, in, in the playoffs. Thank you. Um, I don't know, man. It, it's just so frustrating and, and it's going to happen year after year. I wonder who it's going to be next year. Like, uh, do we even see Dylan Sandberg next year? I, I doubt it at this point. No. I'd love to, he should, yeah. but no, Logan Stanley's our, our third pair guy. He's, he's our role guy. He's going to stay there. I don't know. I'm, it's so it's so frustrating that he's a rookie too, and you're like he's third pairing. Like that's his role. Okay, so you're gonna do that over a guy whose ceiling is so much higher. <laughs> but but Stanley has like Logan Stanley. paid his dues. He paid his dues in he the AHL for for two years or whatever. I don't know and, how many games. And yeah. Mark Shifley said he's been training real hard in the offseason. Oh. Also, I want to also uh, just point this out uh <laughs> in total for the jets organization this year christian Veselinen played 18 games like yeah that's, 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 bad. that's yeah. a joke draft that's develop. a joke draft and develop boys draft and develop like it, it's brutal it's awful i and, i would have been happier to see him play zero games with the jets if it meant playing a complete season with yeah the jets. I don't care. that's the thing yeah like, oh yeah okay daniel your i'll final just thoughts. yeah i'll just continue <laughs> that point and just keep harp no that's fine I'll just keep harping on him, but I think, you know, Brady and Justin touched on the stuff that I would have touched on anyway, right? Like we you just mentioned best line and played 18 games in uh, the Moose at there. Like I mentioned right at the start, the Moose had a 36 game season, let him play 36 games, right? This is why you have guys that, you know, aren't really going to be regular NHL players. Like you, I look at a guy like CJ Cease, you know, he's not going to be a, a regular fourth liner. That's the guy you should have on your taxi squad. You got a guy like Nelson Nogier. He's not an NHL. Oh, oh, oh my, my thing cut You're out good. there for a second. Um, uh, but you look at a guy like Nelson Nogier. He's not an NHL player. This is, the, like, this is why you have these kind of guys that you can bring up on the taxi squad, which is a, like, it's a new thing, and I understand that. But you got to know how, like, it's not hard to figure out how to use it. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a guy like, if you had to use Nelson Nogier for a game because he was the only available defenseman on the taxi squad on a road trip that's fine you just deal with that it's one it's one game where you could have billy hainola playing 36 games with the moose or if an injury does happen you get him on that plane and you get him playing the next night right that kind of thing it's just like and it's been the same thing it's just a trend it's not like this is just a one-off oh yeah you know it's like it was a weird short year uh they didn't want to wear hainola down okay well even if you didn't want to wear him down play him for 40 of the 56 jets games he he played just just to give you the, what just to tell you he played twenty four games. Billy Heinola played twenty four games of with hockey. The with AHL, the, NHL. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to so, count when he was, uh, you know, 
early half of the season when he was in Europe. Yeah, North there, American. He no played twenty four. He played yeah. twenty four North American games out of fifty six potential. Like it's yeah. that's 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 not that's not good enough. That's not okay. And that's, that's yeah. Future one A of your team. Yeah. That's not what. Um, yeah, like you you've drafted this guy. You know, I, I'll stop before because we had already touched on all this. Um, but the season as a whole, you know, it's nice. You know, get that get the sweep. Like it feels good, even though the result of it. Like I still like seeing them win. You know, I don't get as upset. As, as, as upset as I used to when they lose a game. It's just kind of like, okay, well, they lost. But you always feel a little bit happier when they win, right? You know, that's and that's just part of it. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's just going to be the same old, same old. under. And it's not even, like, the coach has been coaching for eight years. Like, that doesn't happen in, like, any sport. It, it, the turnover rate is very high for coaches. Coaches that win get canned all the time. So why are we keeping a coach that loses so much <laughs> around for so long? It doesn't, doesn't make, make sense. any sense. No. And loyalty is loyal to a fault, I guess, is how I'll, how I'll say that. Um, but basically, yeah. So I, while we're wrapping this up, I guess, uh, just shout out to Liz who pretty much organized pretty much every episode that we did this year. Yeah. Um, she's been the rock star for the jet centric. Um, and then Ryan and Kishore with all their sound and editing stuff of all the episodes Shout out to them, uh, all all of our other crew that's not on tonight. I don't know when I'll see them or talk to them again. So shout out to everyone and thanks to all the listeners. Uh, yeah, I'll just pass it to Lisa. She wraps it up here. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. That was so kind. Um, yeah, and oh my gosh, it was so on the last Jets game, I made like a cute little tweet. I was like, thanks guys, because this was the most engaged I've ever been and everyone was so kind to me and I appreciate it because people aren't always kind and it's nice when um, people are. So, um, so but speaking of being kind, I'm not going to do that right now. So my final points, I wrote them down while you guys were talking. Firstly, I am tired of excuses. Um, and I will be sick of it forever. Um, <laughs> it's frustrating. The adversity, all that. <clears throat> don't want to hear it. Um, and like you said, when you said you're kind of numb to Jets losses at this point, it's really frustrating because fans are used to mediocrity and we're just kind of apathetic about the whole thing. And it's really frustrating because we just know there's no winning culture here and it's really tiring sometimes nothing's gonna um, change yeah uh, also uh we lost to a, um, a team we got so by a team that runs four lines and that runs four pretty talented lines that have a lot of skilled players all across the board and i wish the jets would have done that because i think we would have gone a lot further anyways and um i would love to see i this has been my thing from the beginning lineup decisions based on circumstance and results rather than just preconceived notions about players. This guy, you know, had a great career, whatever. Okay, but if he sucks right now, demote him. Pierre-Luc Dubois sucked in the last game of the playoffs. You put him on the fourth line, good for you. That's what he needed at that time. Like, I would love to see that. And just because Blake Wheeler was a top winger in his career doesn't mean he still has to be, and that's okay. And that's what it means to decline as a player. And the sooner that everyone can realize that, the better. And the last thing I want to say is that this season is not a win in my books. This season is... Uh, loss in my books I think there were more negative things to pull away from the season than there were positives and maybe that's a pessimistic thing for me to say but um, we all know that um, this team cares more about you know you know the vibe of the room and the whatever than they do about the winning and I understand that winning maybe isn't what you want to do if everyone's miserable but the fact that you know all these guys are so happy go lucky um, it just makes me really frustrated as a fan because I want them to win and I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, I would love to be proven wrong. I'd always love to be proved wrong on my negative opinions, but they're not formed based on nothing. They're formed on stuff that I've seen over the years and that make me 
think that way. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, a very, you know, well-spoken way to end the episode, but uh, this was super long. We appreciate everyone who stuck around. Uh, this was fun. We have a lot of stuff coming in the off season. We already have a couple of plans and stuff like that. And <laughs> to, to Daniel's point, I've made a Google doc. We got the plans coming. We're going. Um, <laughs> uh, but as always, um, send us a message on Twitter. If you have anything you want to see, especially in the off season, when we don't have to be necessarily as timely when it comes to games and stuff like that, there's a lot of time to spread things out. And uh, yeah, so for sure, follow us on Twitter. I think anyone who listens to us already does follow us on Twitter but uh anyways yeah thanks everyone who um stuck around this year um our following gained big time which was awesome uh it was great to see everyone join us on those Twitter spaces it was great to see a lot of new faces join the podcast um I know this was my first year of course and then Daniel's been around for quite some time but Brady is new as well um Justin is new and then we just have a lot of people who are coming who have become part of the crew and it's been really fun and um this is kind of, you know, we know that this is just fans being fans and we know we don't have our own fans, but we love talking to other Jets fans. We love having people to converse with, um, whether you're a contributor to the podcaster or just a listener or just someone who knows us and stuff. Uh, we're just really happy to do what we do. We're just happy to have a team. And we're just happy to have a podcast. We're just happy to have a podcast. Yeah. 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 Jets, we only care about them when they win. So yeah. anyways, um, thanks a bunch, guys. Uh, we appreciate you all. And um, you haven't heard the last from us yet, so we'll see you soon. I'm Kurt Gilback, and thank you for listening to the Jet-Centric Broadcast.